0: Let you know. All right. Ladies, are you excited about our guest speaker here this morning? <laughs> We've been talking you up, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Young uh, is a licensed therapist, and I'm going to read a little bit of her bio here, who is passionate about journeying toward healing um, through a wide variety of challenges and struggles. And she not only speaks to women but also to men of all ages and she holds a master's degree in counseling um, and has counseled extensively including uh, relational marital conflicts depression anxiety self-image issues and addictions as well as specialized training in sex therapy I know that (laughs) I know that some people get a little bit uncomfortable, but I can tell you this woman is anointed and called to do what she does. And she does it with grace. She does it graciously. And she's going to be a huge blessing to us this morning. Sarah, would you come and bless us this morning?
1: Good morning. Good morning. I hate having that bio read. I hate it because it's so just, (laughs) I'm a counselor. Um, I... Let me tell you who I am. Okay, I am a woman who's married. Lance and I have been together for mm, uh, 15 years. And we have three kids. I have a freshman. I have a freshman. What? (laughs) And I have a seventh grader, two daughters. Um, One who's like, Mom, crop tops are in. What's wrong with you? And um, the other one who's like, Mom, I'm in a tank top and shorts. Don't look at me. What? Who's like, so just wait. Do you look at your kids sometimes and think, how are you both mine or how are the four of you mine? Because they're so incredibly different. And then I have a son who's in fifth grade and um, he's great, he's in the musical and he um, vacillates between this is the best thing ever and Ugh, I hate going to practice. And so for those of us in here with tweeny-teeny, like the roller coaster of emotions, it's just the same for those of you that have two-year-olds. So in case you were looking forward to it getting better, it's just different crazy. Anyway, so that's my life at home, and if you're anything like me, I got out of bed this morning, and I thought, oh, gosh, I found the first clean shirt on the floor. I'm coming home to a sink full of dishes and a counter that's disastrous, because nobody cleaned up after dinner last night, because we went in 17 directions, like a lot of you, right? And um, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and there's this, like all of you. So, Isn't it beautiful to have a space where you can come and take a breath? Just take a breath. So I'm grateful with you to just And before we get talking anymore, can you just close your eyes a minute and breathe to yourself, I'm enough. Whether you feel like, oh Lord, I'm a disaster. Or you feel like, yeah, it's easy for me to own that truth today. I'm enough. Thank you. That's a good space to go into our conversation with. So, I got into sex therapy because historically the church just has not handled sexual brokenness well. We haven't, and um, I've heard stories of people, you know, coming and saying I'm struggling or we're having this challenge, and they're just kind of met with deer in the headlights of we don't really know what to tell you. We'll pray with you, which is great. But in terms of journeying with people, the church just—some churches do great, but a majority of them just just don't. It's kind of one of those. This is a closet issue that we don't we don't know what to do with, so we just won't. And um, I found this group of people, this author, and I found out he was a professor, and their heart was so very much to pour out the perspective of God's heart on healthy sexuality, and um, God's passion for it, and that it happened before the fall, and all of that truth that as Christians is so relevant, and not this fairy tale thing that floats up here, but it is like a core truth about our faith, about our core femininity, about our core sexuality as women, and so often we miss that, so I was like, okay, God, sure, I'll I'll walk into that. That's fun. I can talk about orgasms and pieces and parts without getting red-faced. And so if that's... Yes. And I'm married to a pastor, which is super fun, because people are like, wait, a pastor and a sex therapist? How does that go together? But it does. It does. So, whatever. Uh, It works or it doesn't, but it does. Um, Anyway, so I wanted to talk to you today about Victoria and her secrets, but we're not going to start there. Well, maybe a little bit. I want to know if you're at Rivertown and you're walking, it's right there, right? How do you feel when you walk past Victoria's Secret? (laughs) I mean, I I don't look, because I'm like, ugh, that's just gonna. It just brings up stuff, right? It reminds me um, that I'm flabbier than I was Here. And wow, I don't look like that when I put boy shorts on, and... What? I'm not a size two. Right. Not even close. Right. So it churns that up. And so sometimes it's like, "Mm, yep, thanks, Victoria. And sometimes it truly is just it's deflating cuz it's right there and then i'm walking with my daughters and it's shaping how they are viewing their cute little bodies and it's there's my son too and it's shaping how he's perceiving women and victoria's secrets are crappy <laughs> they have messed with your mind for decades for decades for decades And aren't you so tired of it? And this is the world we live in, right? Victoria is designed to tell you, you are not pretty enough, you are not thin enough, you're not sexy enough, he's not satisfied with you. So buy our product, and you'll be good to go. (laughs) It's a marketing ploy, right? That's all it is. But it's a really powerful one. You are not good enough. Everybody else's sex life is better than yours. What's wrong with you? He's not satisfied, etc., etc, etc. Now let me sidestep a second and say, some of us are coming in here, and it's like, "Oh yeah, we had sex last night. It was great. Some of us are wait, we're supposed to be having sex. I have a toddler and a newborn. That's not happening. Some of us there's not a spouse around. There hasn't been for years. Some of us haven't ever had sex. Some of us are in the throes of menopause and you don't recognize what's going on with your body. Where did I go? Some of us have a significant conflict going on right now with our spouse. And, you know, to think about letting him anywhere near my body when he has not walked around in my head and my heart well, that is the most threatening thing. Right now, I I just can't even. We're talking about sex this morning. mm, It's not on my radar. And some of us, life is just heavy. Life is just heavy. Whether that be some tragedy that has happened or some chronic pain that you're dealing with, whether that be internally or externally. But can I invite you not to just think about this as behavioral sex, the act of intercourse, but to think about yourself as a whole sexual being. And there's, there's intimate sexuality, right? Like the, the sex that you have with a spouse, but then there's also social sexuality, of how are you living out your femininity right now? Who are you? as a sexual being what is your sexual identity and you know right those two words come up and it just like culturally that brings up a whole lot of issues but today specifically i'm talking about how does you as a sexual being how does that mesh with your identity in christ your sexual identity there who does god say you are as a sexual being cuz i will tell you some of god's secrets and they're really not secrets, but the church doesn't necessarily bring them forward. And half of us, or 95% of us, haven't talked about these in premarital counseling, or in marital counseling for that matter. In fact, it's kind of like you, you get into it and then there's just, who do you talk to? What's my measure for whether or not things are normal in our sex life? Well, I talk to my, my girlfriends, but... Mm, I don't know. And I see this on this movie, I saw this. Is that what it's supposed to be? Us throwing each other around the room? Against the walls and there is an actress that talked about she's like, oh, it's so ridiculous. We broke teeth filming that scene. (laughs) Uh, Seriously. Yeah. Or is it everybody in the world is having sex like 50 shades of gray? Is that it? How do we know? Right? Because it's not talked about in a healthy context. So God has some really, really specific, clear, true statements about you as a sexual woman. Number one, you are phenomenally seductive. You look like God in that way, that your beauty is seductive. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? Right? That doesn't mean, huh, I have big enough boobs and a cute enough rump to give a man an erection. That's not big enough. That's way too small. And good thing, because for a lot of us, that, that wouldn't cut it, right? It wouldn't. You are seductive. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 88. Your beauty is designed to be inviting and restful and inspiring who you show up as just as a woman every day. God has designed it to be seductive, and magnetic, and powerful? Do you believe that you have that capability? I give myself a tattoo this morning. If there's a pen on your table, or if you have a pen, okay. I'm a wuss with needles, I don't really have any, for those of you that do, way to go. Um, the line from that song, I believe what you say of me. Find a pen, write it on your wrist. I believe what you say of me. So even if you're tempted to be dismissive with some of these truths that I throw out about God, like God says I'm seductive, huh, well, I'm going to at least be practicing to believe what you say. You've already said to yourself, I'm enough. Can you say to yourself today, I'm seductive? Can you own that word for you through the God filter? I am seductive. Okay? Another one of God's truths. This is bigger than you. Your sexuality, your femininity, is bigger than you. I'm using it. It's not yours. Like, sure, okay, you, you are responsible for stewarding it, you get to invest in it, nourish it, all of those things. Notice I didn't say fix it, change it, hate it. My job as a follower of Christ is to, is to love this. I can tell you 27 things that I don't love about it, at least. At least. And if I asked you, where are you dissatisfied with your body? Some of you would start with your hair. Some of you would start with your arms. Some of you would start with your teeth. Some of you would start with your bum. But the list is long. Your job is to love this. To be a Christ follower is to submit to that. It doesn't matter if you feel like, I have 150 pounds too many right now. It doesn't matter if you feel like my thighs are, no. It doesn't matter if your breasts are like fried eggs hanging from nails. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you have loose skin hanging. It is an act of obedience to love what is right here, exactly as it is. Sure, could we be pursuing healthier? Sure. all this stuff? Yes, but not scolding yourself or shaming yourself into different. That doesn't do anything. How often do we do that? And it's not the slightest bit productive. Anybody in here, body shamer sometimes in your own head? Oh, come on. We are so mean to ourselves, ridiculously. Think about what you say to yourself in your own head that you would never say to friends. Never, we're absolute wenches sometimes. (laughs) Am I wrong? No. Okay. Right. So God's saying, "Hey, I'm inviting you to this, but this is also a command. Love, love this." Love this, because I'm using this. This is how you show up in the world. So if you're hating this, how can you possibly be seductive with everything that is behind this? That core seductiveness about who you are, if it stops with you looking in the mirror and saying, "Uh uh-huh, Victoria has told you it's not enough. Don't bring your beauty forward. God says, nope, you are seductive because my definition of seductive is bigger and better and true. So live into it. Live into it. Okay, now what happens when one of the loudest voices of criticism happens to come from people who have been significantly influential in shaping that realm of how I perceive myself as a sexual being? For example, a husband who's critical, a husband who liked how you looked on that wedding day and now has some complaints. What if it's a mother who's been real vocal about what you do right and what you don't? You know we're webbers, right? Like. That whole men are waffles, women are spaghetti, that's, that's legit stuff. Like, that's a hard wiring issue when people say, like, men and women, we think so differently. You're not flawed, by the way, if he doesn't understand you. It is such unique wiring. Okay, so men, compartmentalized, very separated. Like, if my husband Lance, if he's not in the room in his head of, I don't know, the lawnmower, like, he has to find the room, right? Where for me, Ready? <laughs> Everything about the lawnmower has things to do with how I feel about the garage, which comes back into how I perceive myself as a mother because this happens and this in the garage. And then that ties into how I'm seeing myself as, like, you know, a, a housekeeper, which is a disaster. And then I compare myself to my mother, who's really good at it. And is she judging me? Because I'm not sure if she is. And Again, anybody, anybody else? Like, everything is connected in our heads. And so often it's completely shame-driven you were talked about shame last week, right? Did I see that? Tell me some things you heard about shame. <laughs> I'm so glad you were listening. <laughs> no. OK, right? So here, here's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is there's something wrong with what I do. Shame is there's something wrong with who I am. Right? And if that's anywhere else in your life, that's going to go down to the core of your femininity, the core of who you are as a sexual being. So, for those of us that are sexually active, you know, when we show up in that bedroom with our husbands, and it's, hey, what's going on for you in those moments? Are you showing up as a three-dimensional human being, like head, heart, and body? All of you. Are you showing up, soul, spirit, mind, all the things? Are you giving all of you? Or is it, yeah, naked and unashamed, that's not happening. I'm I'm naked and I I have so much shame. I have so much shame because you're disappointed in how I parented today. I have so much shame because we're off in our communication and I just can't find it. I have so much shame because you don't want to hang out with me at night. You want to be on your phone all evening whatever is driving the shame, right? So that internal narrative, I am enough, I am seductive, it's so critical. It's so critical to bring something different instead of the internal whipping over and over and over. It's almost the equivalent, when that shame gets really nasty, of internal cutting. Think about that for a second. Okay, think about, um, sorry to be graphic, but think about the, the, if you think about the psychology behind that, how there's pain inflicted to bring a release, right? So if it's not external, if it's internal, I'm going to inflict pain on me and self-punish enough to bring a release, right? Shame just twists, twists how we feel like we can have permission to show up and try again. Where's your narrative? Where's your internal thought? Is it shame-driven, or can it be seduction-driven? Now, even as I say that word seduction, there's a whole lot of, huh, that comes up for some of us, because it has always represented something that I'm not enough of. I'm not seductive because I never got the guys in high school. I'm not seductive because nobody ever turned their head. I'm not seductive because my husband doesn't notice. But you are. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Okay. God's secret number three. I have the power to recreate what currently is. Not just renew. Not just redeem, but I truly have the power to recreate this. Okay, so what, what's, some of, what's some of what's underneath God's perception on sex, right? Maybe some of you heard me talk about this two years ago, but I'm going to remind you. Okay, thing number one, God says, sex is holy, right? Okay, sex is holy. Think about, um, let, let's go through the, the, the physical of this, okay? Think about what happens. Like, Okay, so the man... Rises up, gets that erection, right? And I open myself up for him to come. Lance, I'll say Lance, not the man, right? Okay, come into me. There's a oneness, there's a connection. And so like this is the closest parallel we have, this side of heaven to what this is supposed to look like. Okay, think about this. Christ rises up. Rises up in strength, moves heaven and earth to rescue with the cross and the victory, okay? Rises up, says, hey, I want to come into everything that you are as a woman, everything. I want that oneness with you. I want that, yeah, this is a tough sell for some of us, but just go with me, right? I want that climactic, ultimate experience of surrender, Our sex lives, at their purest, are meant to be reflective of this. All right, now, we live in between the Garden of Eden and heaven, right? So everything is broken. Nothing is the way it's meant to be, but God is still moving. Like, I, my sex life doesn't look like that, does yours? And, you know, I think a lot of us, in some sense, there's a sexual atheism that comes with our bedroom, like, God cares about every other realm of my life, but he doesn't care about my relationship with my vagina. He doesn't care about whether or not I'm orgasmic. He doesn't care. He does, though, a lot. He cares about how you feel about your body. He cares about whether or not you're sexually satisfied. He cares about whether it comes easy or it's impossible. He cares. Are you talking to him about it? He's inviting you, too because he wants to recreate. So sex is holy because it is a picture of this, okay? Number two, sex is good. It happened before the fall. It is good. So the fall just screwed everything up, sex included. But it's good. And if you have never known sex to be good for whatever reason, God's saying, let me in there. Let me in there. Let me heal. Let me bring truth to who you are and who you are not. Number three. Sex is part of the deal of being married. And so if sex isn't happening, there needs to be conversation as to why. And a lot of women think like, well, I this is my duty, so I will show up and lay here and let him masturbate on me until it's over but I'm really thinking about the brownies I still need to make and putting the clothes in the dryer. Right? So, like, not, not like that. There's a difference between that kind of sex that's robotic and mechanical and pity sex of, ugh, fine. Fine, let's go. Let's make it a quickie and nourishing sex. For those of us that are like menopausal or postmenopausal or in our breastfeeding, there are times when your sex drive is just going to be... Pfft. That's normal. By the way, there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing. There's nothing wrong with you. Can you own that? If your husbands are like, oh, geez, go to the sex therapist and get some tips because we're off because you're never wanting sex. Yes, because life is nuts and there's drool over here and I haven't taken a shower for three days. Or my hormones are everywhere and suddenly my uterus has stopped and I don't know, ah, right, you are going to have seasons in your life where it's just normal. And on that note, as long as we're talking about physiology, the whole orgasm thing, I'm going to touch in on this again as well, men, A, B, C, D, duh. For those of our husbands that don't understand, we are not wired that way. Remember waffles and spaghetti? It applies here too. Whether or not I will have an orgasm has everything to do with where I'm at in my cycle. It also has everything to do with how I feel about myself as a woman and whether or not my body is cooperating or it's not because my mind is in the way. It has everything to do with whether or not I feel connected to you, whether or not there is foreplay, if you've paid attention to me today or if you've just been like, hey, should we get naked? It is a small percentage of women who are orgasmic every time. It is a small percentage of women who are multi-orgasmic. If you're one of those, hooray for you. That's awesome. <laughs> and sometimes, a majority of the time, it'll be like, if yes, I'm there. If it kicks in, that's awesome. If it doesn't, okay, it's just nice to be close to you, or, close to you right? Okay, so that, normal. If it's never happening, then like... Okay, maybe there can be some conversations around that with your gynecologist or with other you know, things you can try. And I, it feels like, does it feel shameful to think about like I should talk to somebody about not being orgasmic? I mean, have to, but like you can, you can. It's okay. That's not a shameful thing to desire pleasure. Not at all. It's not shameful. It's not selfish to ask, like, hey, can we take our time in the beginning? Because, I, like, you touch here and touch here and then touch here and then you want to get going, and I'm not there. <sighs> You're not a padlock. It's not 24 or 36. Three. <laughs> You're not. What worked two weeks ago might not work until next August. It might not. <laughs> And for him to understand that this is normal, does your man know you? Does he know you? And if he doesn't, can you help him be a student of you? That will not happen well in the moment, by the way. So this is this is kind of a, like, hey, can we have a cup of tea on the deck? And then, like, talking through. So this is really great. and. Sometimes this has this effect on me, so when this happens, like you sandwich it, right, with like affirmation, correction, affirmation, (laughs) because men are super sensitive, right? But it is perfectly appropriate for you to bring this up, like, hey, could we shift here? It it can be a little more harsh if it's like, can we stop this, or can you change this? But if it's invitation to, I would love, sometimes that can work a little better. But, um, okay, so where were we? Yeah, orgasm's normal. If you have questions about that, ask. Ask, ask your doctor, ask somebody. Don't, don't let that be a, a thing that you're like, well, I guess I'm just... No, talk about it. Um, and, and as well as fluids and scents and, and all those things, you can. So, I, yeah. Don't see, this opens a whole other can of worms in my head, but... <laughs> are you aware, for those of us that are still menstruating every month, are you aware of your cycle? Are you, are you, are you? (laughs) Um, Because this is legitimate. This isn't just, wow, you have some really strong PMS. But knowing and accepting and loving, loving that well, right? And if you think season, like there's so much poeticness that we can put with our cycle, like... When you're on your period, I'm in the spring of myself. And then there's that power week, right? It's the summer, and then we ovulate and we drop, and that starts to get nasty because that progesterone is real prickly, and then it's just harder to self-manage. That's kind of the fall, and then the winter of that PMS week of whoo. But legitimately, if you think of your body and you just ride into those seasons and love yourself well, because we know how this goes, right? Like, we'll have an off week, and it's like, where did everything go? What happened? But for you to know yourself well there and, and, and go with it, right? And on that hot week, on the summer week of your cycle, right, if you're, um, that's just a really great week for your body to cooperate, to be there mentally and emotionally in the bedroom. It, it, it just, things click, because those, those are kind of power days, so. A little, little side note. Okay, so sex is holy. Sex is good. This is part of the deal when we sign up to be married, right? Nobody else is going to do it for him. If it's not going well for the two of you, figure out why. This is supposed to be a submit therefore to one another, not your body is mine and we need to, right? Submit, therefore, to one another. As in, I want to meet your needs. I want to meet your needs. The selflessness component in this is how God designed it. He He didn't mean for it to ever get to a point where it feels like a chore for us, where it feels like, check. And life is life, right? And if that's where you find yourself, like, I know this is part of the deal of being married, but I just, ugh. Okay, instead of leaving it to something where it's like, we're wondering, we're wondering, we're wondering, what would happen if, everybody just rolls their eyes when I suggest this, but I'm going to, schedule it. What if it's like sex Sundays, right? Then everybody knows, that we're having sex on Sunday, by the way, once to twice a week is national average married, unmarried couples that have been, so if he's like, why aren't we having sex five times a week? You can say, hey, let's examine your expectation. Once a month, however, that's not gonna connect you in the way that it's meant to, okay? Once every three, once a year, it's not gonna connect you in the way that it's meant to, right, so if it's sex on Sundays, he knows what to expect. You know what to expect. You can receive affection from him without wondering, like, oh, great, now he's going to want me to get naked. And that's, that's tough, right? That affection versus intimate touch piece? It is. So, like, the communication there. We're going to connect, but outside of our sex life, this is an important component, too. Like, affection is just as necessary as sexual intimacy and they don't always have to be connected, okay? So, I'm gonna go very carefully with the word, sex is holy, good, owed, right? With the marital context. Ugh, that's so icky, but you know that it's it's part of the deal. But then that fourth thing, sex being fun. God is like, I designed this to feel good and pleasurable and be fun and connecting and close, and it's a language that the two of you have that, that nobody else has. That's how it's supposed to be. And again, when brokenness comes into things, there have been, there have been spouses that haven't been faithful represented in this room. There have been you know, porn usage, and you're the spouse that's like, oh, are you even attracted to me? There are abuse realities. Are all this stuff. So you're like, fun? Whatever. That's for 17-year-olds. It doesn't have to be. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and, you know, Drop $300 at Naughty and Nice on Wilson. <laughs> it's a mindset, right? It's a mindset of being playful and not taking your body so seriously, not taking yourself so seriously. So much of the work that I do with couples is helping to reestablish a, a baseline and to get them talking. Like, so where there's anxiety or where there's pain or, you know, we work through that stuff, but in the bedroom itself, whew, okay, let's just show up here and and, and be us and let us be recreated. And God has to be a part of that. Well, that's great. So remember, my husband's not a believer. Okay, then you pray. Then you pray. And you step into the truth of you being seductive. And you take your heart to God if your husband doesn't see it. You take your heart to God to be held when your husband's like, I'm not interested Victoria's Secret, again, you are never enough. You'll never be. God's, oh, I love you so much, I know you have a hard time believing it. You are, because I make you enough. Me, in your femininity, makes it radiant, makes it seductive. Sure, there, there might be a chronic pain, pain component for the rest of your days on this earth, whether that's emotional or psychological or physical. And that, that's just that's just hard. And God says, hey, I'm, I'm with you in the hard. I'm with you in the hard. When's the last time you hung out in the Psalms? David is hilarious. <laughs> He's awesome. Do you ever notice how emotional he is? Excuse me, he's so dramatic. He's like, God, where are you? Oh, my word. I'm still frustrated. My enemies are everywhere. He, like, he's way... <laughs> it's great because he's so raw. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you be raw? You know, like, you know, so often as Christ followers, that's, well, you know, be, be pious and holy and respectful. If We have a really, really big God. He can take you. He can take you at your rawest, he can. And so if you're like, God, why do my husband stop looking at porn, I, why? God, why'd you let my uncle do that? God, how come, how come he never sees me? God, why did my mom always talk about how fat she was? Cause I, I don't know any other way to look at myself. God, he doesn't he doesn't buy into the truth of who you are and it's really discouraging to try to keep being the one who's praying and asking and fighting and I'm exhausted. He's big enough. He's big enough for all of that. For the for the not tiny, but tiny things of like oh, my vagina today or my boobs or my body person. And the big life theme things. He's big enough. Cause like, this, this isn't a secret about me. This is truth. This is your backdrop. If you follow me, this is what's true about you. Period. Victoria's script has been completely overhauled. When I'm in the picture, you are invited to that. You are invited to enough. You are invited to seductive. So Pastor Karen talked, the theme of this year, breakthrough, break free, break forth. So I want you all to take a second and just think, and this isn't going to be reported into your table, but you maybe can have some conversations about it, okay? Breakthrough, whether it's in my sexuality, me as a sexual being, or if it's in my femininity, where do I feel stuck? Where do I need to break through? Where do I need to break through? Okay, so you think about this. If you imagine yourself, like, breaking through a spider web, right? Did you like that little move? <laughs> and maybe it'll take a little more force than that. But think about yourself breaking through a spider web, right? You get through that spider web, you still have crap on you. You have residue, right? Where, then, do you need to break free? Free of the residue, Okay? Breaking forth: where's a realm that I would step into with confidence? What am I breaking forth to? So, okay, let's see. For me, I need breakthrough with um, perceiving myself as enough for my husband. When I am at my <coughs> excuse me, when I'm at my worst, I think he's a moron for marrying me. I do. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to run? And I will get sabotage-y. I will because I'm so insecure with whatever's going on here. He was so fun last night. I had a really difficult client yesterday and I was just kind of processing with him and he's like, you can't let this speak into you. We don't have time for that. (laughs) I'm like, you're right. He's like, you just need to step into confidence. Like you don't have to own this. And and he's right, but like my whole crap internal script when I'm operating out of brokenness is that, like, I'm not worth loving, I'm not worth being with, I feel like I'm out of my league, you should be with somebody else, I need to break through from that because it's very heavy and it's very inaccurate and it takes up so much mental and emotional energy. And so just that basic statement of, we don't have time for this. I'm so excited for you guys about this series of, you don't have to be in the wilderness. You can step into something different just because you can. You don't have to stay here, right? And then that residue <coughs> of, well, hey, this is why you're not enough and this is where you're a failure. Like, specifically, i got to get that crap off of me. So when it comes to the bedroom, like, I'm not creative enough or I'm not, I'm too flabby or whatever that is. And then for all of us, let's for today put it as I want to break free into, or break forth into, enough and seductive. Your beauty is alluring. Who you are as a sexual being and who you are as a woman, it is enough and it is alluring. 18 or 88, it doesn't stop at a certain age. Spans your lifetime. And God is smack in the middle of defining it and recreating it. So, Father God, we thank you for being this kind of God who was creative in how you have designed our bodies to work, how you have designed intimacy to work. And God, there isn't one perfect marriage represented in this room. Not one. There's not one sex life that's uncomplicated. Um, and you know. Thank you for knowing. Thank you for being a character in the bedroom when we allow you to be. Thank you for entering into the chaos of our heads and our hearts. Thank you, God, that you don't look at us and go, ugh, really? You're still here? No, you are a gentleman. Excuse me. And you are clear, and you are powerful. And we thank you for what you invite us to. May we have the courage to own what those of us who tattooed ourselves said of I believe what you say of me. I believe I'm enough. I believe I'm seductive. Cause you say I am. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you are incredibly seductive. And in your name we pray. Amen.